Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Game by Show podcast. Jeremy, how are you? Hi, Legrand. Hi, Dale. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, what's going on, guys? It's uh, August the 17th, 2017. My name is Legrand. I already said that. We're all here. Uh, I think I missed last Wednesday. Did I miss last Wednesday? I think I did. Uh, yeah, I think Jared was here last time. Okay. Yeah, for good reason. Or what, uh, did we do a two-man? Maybe it was two-man last time. I don't know. Somebody don't go remember. check. Somebody somebody check the photo record here. Can photo somebody uh, send us a message and let us know if I recorded last Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, welcome to the show, people. It's Wednesday. It's when we talk about... It's not Wednesday. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. Eee, Thursday. Yeah. Sorry, it's always been Wednesday until today, uh, which is okay. Because uh, I was busy last night. Oh, I went out last night with my wife. We had a went on a little date date to Top Golf. Oh, really? You know, people people go there, but I I'd rather just go to Mario Golf. I never heard of Top Golf until a couple of weeks ago. I think we're gonna do an event there with my work. Bro, you should uh you should. It's pretty cool. It's pretty one, fun. There's one in Hillsboro, Oregon, which is just a little ways away from here. You ever been there, Jeremy? Uh, I've been there to buy a gift card, but that's about it. Uh, Do you golf? Well, if you can't hit the B button to to get your backspin going, I am not interested in that golf. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so Dale, practice your B button. I'm just interested in the like driving range. They they have like one of. That's all it is. That's all it is. Two story driving range or whatever. I heard at night they like light up the rings and stuff. Like I heard that's cool. Yeah, dude, it's totally video game. There's like video games you play. That's what people say. And I heard the food is really good too. Golf games. The food is good. I had lunch there today. Top golf. And then (laughs) I went two days in a row for whatever reason. Anyway, hit a lot of golf balls. But uh, not not a video game golf balls. Only a real meat sport golf balls. Yeah, so they don't count. No, I don't really like uh, golf video games. Really? Is that bad? Yeah. Uh, there are some great golf video games. I mean, uh, you know, Mario Mario Golf, the latest one on the 3DS. The last was one I liked was Wii, Wii Golf, Wii Sports Golf. That's weird, man. You should, tr- you should try that, like Why a, is that weird? Why is that weird? Because that's barely a golf game. Like, that's like you swing and it like does a little wank wank. Oh, yeah, the go. one where you actually swing. Yeah, but you could do that in uh, like Hot Shots had a PlayStation Move version on the PS3 that was kind of neat. Nobody uh, had a PlayStation Move. That was the problem. Oh, no, speaking well. of Hot Shots Golf, that was like... Maybe one of the the only games I've really seen my wife get really into was uh, Hot Shots Golf on Hot PSP. Hot Shots Golf, actually. huh? PSP. Wow. I am really looking forward to the mobile version of that, but I think they've started calling it Everyone's Golf now in in the West. Minano. Um, yeah. Minano Golf. A, it's a direct translation. Is, is what they're doing now. Right. I, but I don't golf. know why. Like, why did they decide to do that? It's dumb. But I've heard the mobile game like is really Japanese good though. Because Hot Shots is like the edgy, like cool dude '90s version, and they decided to finally ditch that name. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of outdated. But, uh, anyone play any golf games this week? Uh, no, no. but now I kind of want to. Like, I actually <laughs> did not put a- enough time into the 3DS Mario Golf. Um, and I really I, I played the demo and didn't really care for it. Yeah, it's really good. But as I did not. Golf games go. I have that game <laughs> also. And I have, you know, I haven't really played very much of it. Oh, it's good. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk uh, last today. Ooh, edgy. What do you think about that? Big surprise? Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to end this thing on a whimper, no bang. He's going to come in under par. Uh, no, man, it's, 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 a, it's an okay. It's an okay. okay one. All right. That's yeah. Good. It'll be okay. Well, who's going to start off this magical mystery tour? You are, Jeremy. Me? So oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got a couple of things, and they are wildly different from one another, uh, because one of them is completely pacifist, and the other one is completely violent. Um, the first thing I, we're going to talk Enter about... Enter the Gungeon sounds pretty pacifist. It, 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 there's, like, absolutely no guns in Enter the Gungeon. Uh, it's just a coincidence. Uh, no, okay. let's talk about Enter the Gungeon. So Enter the Gungeon is a combination roguelike slash bullet hell shooter. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's put out by Devolver Digital, and, um, the entire game is based around guns. Wait, believe, what, you, what game are you not. talking about? This Enter the Gungeon. Enter the Gungeon, yeah, this is Enter the Gungeon. Okay. And, um, it is a fairly straightforward, mechanically speaking, uh, dungeon crawler, kind of like your, uh... Uh, you know, Binding of Isaac, or uh, I mean, even something like Crypt of the Necrodancer, or something like that. You play as a character on a on a two D plane, 
and you go through a randomly generated dungeon that is populated completely by bullets and gun-themed characters. Uh, hmm. In fact, you have people with guns that shoot guns and bullets that shoot bullets, and the entire game is based around the idea of picking up crazy guns and dodging the bullets and the attacks of enemies that are similarly crazy and 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 firearm based. Um, the the idea. Remember when Borderlands was going to be a thing, and there are like a million kinds of guns. Enter the Gungeon kind of has that, but the thing is that it's not just like this one is the red version of the gun, and it does fire damage, and this one is the blue version, and it does electrical damage. Yeah. This this is like this is a gun that shoots sharks. And the sharks will swim around in the level and then bite, you know, damaged enemies. Or this is a uh, a flamethrower, except it just shoots the oil and spreads flames by, uh, you know, you know, by giving it a path to burn oil. Or uh, I can't even think. There's like ice beams and <laughs> uh, you know, m- chain guns that shoot rockets and. The, the aesthetic of the game is fairly simple, and like I said, the mechanics of the game are fairly simple. All of the work that went into this game went into the development of the guns. Um, mm. There are so many weird guns in Enter the Gungeon, and I'm kind of at a loss to, now that I'm trying to think of it. They, they just do all kinds of things. Um, you can pick up... Um, uh, different weapons are found throughout the game, so you 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 know come across chests that have different crazy guns in them. Uh, you can pretty much switch between guns at any time. I I don't know if there's a limit to the number of guns that you can pick up, but uh, you can you can switch on the fly, um, and you can also carry med packs with you. And they have these things called blanks, because uh, the thing is that as you go through the gungeon, uh, you come across enemies who shoot more and more frequent or bigger or more sporadic bullets at you. Uh, You're equipped with a dodge roll, and the dodge roll is sort of like uh, the first half of the jump is invincible, because you can jump over things, you can cross, uh, you know, you can traverse like gorges and, and, uh, you know, little water hazards and and things like that. Um, And you're also basically invincible for the first half until you hit the ground and start rolling, and at which point you're, you're sort of... You're no longer invincible, you are vincible again once you hit the ground, basically. So they give you that, and then they give you these things called blanks, which are sort of like little um, little empty bullet shells, I guess. They're sort of represented on screen, and they're very rare. You, you may come across them when you kill a boss or something. Um, but they kind of explode an area of null bullets around you. So they kind of make this circly area where stuff just kind of disappears. So between the dodge roll, which you always have, and the blanks, which are kind of rare and, uh, you know, hard to manage, hard to come by, uh, basically the idea is you go through the gungeon and try and get as far as you can, you know, defeating these crazy, crazy bosses. Um, The bosses are similarly, like, weird, like... Uh, there, there's a guy who's on like a throne of guns, and and you know the bullets are just constantly shooting at you. Or guns for the gun throne. It's yes, exactly. I mean, it's like the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that's perfect. That's a perfect metaphor right there. Um, there's like a giant crow who has like this machine gun, and he you know fires rockets and shoots things out of his craw. Uh, <laughs> and you know he's also a, he's also a giant muscle man. Um, <laughs> it's, it's sort of difficult to describe all of this, but, um, it feels really solid. Like, I mean, you basically have your four directions that you move in and then on the PC, it has a free, um, uh, kind of a mouse cursor based, um, reticle that you use. So you, you can pretty much aim from across the, the room or, you know, if you, if you're, uh, if you have a weapon that spreads all Isn't over... is that kind of how the Hotline Miami played? Uh, kind of. Hotline Miami, though, was more like... It was sort of like the reticle was tied to you. Like, you kind of had a... Wasn't it like you would have kind of this round area, and so you were just sort of, like, aiming outside of this area? I don't think area? so. Not on PC. No? Yeah, I played that mostly on, like, the Vita, I, I think. I, I think I beat the second one on the Vita. I, in fact, I beat the first one on the Vita as well, but I think that the aiming on that was kind of like... I know you, you aimed could, you in a direction lock. with the analog stick, but... On PC, I'm pretty sure I had free mouse look. Like, yeah. And well, that, well, that's exactly look, what this is. So um, it is a little bit difficult. I, sometimes I found myself wishing that it had been sort of more tied in, except it is nice, on the other hand, to be able to have precision and shoot someone from across the room because you really have to manage your distance and your space 
from these enemies, and, and you know, they're, they're like little happy dancing bullet guys, basically, and they have, you know, some of them have chain guns and mini guns, some of them fire individual bullets, um, some of them have weird spreads, like... Like like there are uh, wizard books that will shoot like waves of bullets, or they'll do. I mean, again, the bullet hell thing. I, I haven't really emphasized that during the description of this, but it gets really hairy really quick. Um, so you really do kind of are to the maps uh, procedurally generated? They are, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you actually have a mini map, and you can actually see kind of how your room interconnects. It's actually a, a fairly specific representation of the rooms that you're in. I mean, the the outlines of the room sometimes they're square, sometimes they have little crenellated edges or things, and those will actually show up in the mini map. And there's also a teleporter system. So at any point, you can teleport almost to any room like there's this little um it almost looks like the chamber of a six shooter that when you clear a room uh these teleporters will kind of light up and, and they'll glow and then you can come back and teleport to them at any time uh there are also uh weapon shops where you uh you, the, the the currency in this game are like these little bullet casings that you pick up when you kill the bullet people um it, it's insane like it's crazy that all of this bullet stuff that all so this it's just guns, like gun fetish game it, it is like... it, yeah and it's like really happy and cute so the little bullet people have like little smiley faces and things it's it's got a cute little art style um and it is i believe on all platforms actually i'm not sure if it's on xbox i should i should look that up but it's definitely on pc uh definitely on playstation 4 um no native vita version so that's a shame but um it's Wayne, uh, not interesting yeah i know about switch yeah uh, no, nothing on Switch. Uh, this game actually came out, I want to say, a year and a half ago. I think it came out in 2016, because I know a lot of people were talking about it as, like... I've even heard people talk about it as their game of 2016, because it was just it was just what? that solid. What? Yeah, yeah, right? Um, and, and like I said, it's fairly straightforward, but once you start picking up some really crazy guns... <laughs> you just you just have to smile to yourself. Like when there's a, a, a laser cannon that ribbons around everything, and uh, you know there is, I think there is a little bit of, a, of an element of mix and match this this type of weapon with that type of of delivery system. But I'm, I've just been really surprised by how um, outlandish the weapons are in Enter the Gungeon. Like I said, the mechanics of moving and, and getting around and the enemies are, are fairly like basic, fairly straightforward, but the weapons themselves, the actual guns in Enter the Gungeon are uh, just really creative. I mean, they just probably sat around um, in, in the same way that, you know, the Scribblenauts people probably like, you know, sat around and, and put words into Scribblenauts. These guys... I, I don't know. They they just came up with a really weird and, and crazy gun system, and uh, you know because it's a uh, uh, roguelike, the the way that you find them is totally randomized. The enemies that you can use them against are totally randomized, and it turns out to be a lot of fun. I have not actually put a lot of time into Enter the Gungeon, but I want to go back to it, and uh, I, I kind of want to keep uh, keep spending time with Enter the Gungeon and and find some of the really weird weapons because I know they're still out there waiting for me. Huh. Um, the other game that I played that was totally pacifist is Everything. Uh, which is the one that uh, has that trailer that everyone was was really enamored with, the 10-minute trailer that kind of talks about the interconnectedness of all things. Um, the, uh, the the game... Never it, heard of it. Yeah, it, it is a little bit like... Um, gosh, kind of like Katamari Damacy a little bit. Um, you basically inhabit more or less an open world... And it's full of stuff. So there are grasses and trees and animals and houses and rocks and all kinds of things in the world. And you play, you start out, I think they start you out as a mountain lion. And anything that you are that, that is living, anything you are that's animate, um, when you move around in this game, you kind of do this weird, like... Like, if you, if you were to imagine a block of wood kind of, like, rolling, chunk, ka-chunk, 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 you kind of roll, like, head, back, butt, feet, head, back, butt, feet. You kind of just, like, roll, roll, roll. Um, and that's how you get around. And I think the reason for that is because in everything, you can be everything. Um, there's not much of an objective to everything, but you have this mechanic whereby you can approach any other object and basically take the form of that object. Um, you can then interact with things that are of your own species, and you know they can follow you around and, and have little hearts and, and love you. And uh, you can also, uh, if you have a relationship with something around you, you can sort of do a call or a song, and things will kind of respond to that. 
Um, and and you, you can be go kind of like in the same neighborhood size wise. or Correct. Something? Yes. Yes. Exactly. So you can kind of interact with things that are in your local size range. I guess. This yeah, so um, it's like cut muddy then, right? A, a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. A little bit. And th- the thing is, and I've actually played very little of everything because I kind of found it super frustrating. Um, <laughs> it doesn't give you a lot of guidance as far as what you're doing, and I think most of the fun of everything comes from um, approaching a thing and saying. What's what's next? Because you can, in everything, um, inhabit things that are as small as atoms, or, or maybe even subatomic particles, or as large as galaxies, and everything in between. Um, everything is basically available to interact with in everything. And again, I actually used the Scribblenauts uh, example a little bit earlier. Same kind of thing here. They must have just, like, what kinds of things can I be? Frogs, and birds, and bushes, and... Uh, rocks and geographic uh, fixtures and all kinds of things. Um, and, and it's just weird. In fact, this game is so chill and, and just kind of like sit back and explore type type thing um, that it actually has a mode to play itself. Um, and, <laughs> and you can just like sit back and, and watch it. And I think I've even seen that uh, in, this, in fact. This, this, this guy did the game Mountain as well, right? That's correct. Which I, I think that game like just by default plays itself and you just it's, kind of watch yeah, exactly it's kind of, i think it was happens. kind of like a, a maybe like a sketch or a study leading up to something like everything i, I from what i understand yeah. um i believe that everything also won some kind of interactive um uh media award at at some film festival and i and i i don't actually know the details on that it's but like i best think trailer that, wasn't it Something, something. It was like best interactive or best digital creation the, or something like that. The trailer itself won some kind of award. I, I think it was actually just the gameplay. I th- and I suspect hmm. that it was, they just set it on play itself mode and people found it to be compelling or something. I don't really know what to think about everything. Um, I, I like a little bit of structure. Like I get the idea that, hey, you can explore and, and go, uh, you know, roll around with your bunch of elephants or, or bugs or whatever, um, but it's kind of one of those curiosities that you kind of go, huh, all right, and I, I feel like I'm not understanding something about it, because it, it was, um, it kind of made a splash when it first came out, and I didn't really get around to it at that time. I'm playing it on PC, it was, uh, it was on the PlayStation, uh, whatever their seasonal event was this past year, and, uh, and yeah, it's a really compelling trailer, that 10-minute uh, thing, definitely go check that out. It's the kind of thing where you think, like, I don't have time for a 10-minute game trailer. But then you kind of start watching it, and it's this philosopher kind of talking about the interconnectedness of all things. And you kind of just find yourself listening and watching the gameplay of everything. Um, and honestly, that is probably the most I've enjoyed of everything, was watching that trailer. Um, the game itself, I, I wish, I, like I said, I feel like I'm missing something. Um, but I, w- I want to go back. Maybe and wanna, you're missing everything. I am missing the point of everything. <laughs> I'm missing it. Um, I always said that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I do want to go back to it. I do want to try and understand it. I, I like a good indie art house, uh, you know, chill, interconnected experience. Um, but as for the two games that I've been playing, I think I've been enjoying Enter the Gungeon a lot more. Um, and I don't feel too bad about that. So Enter the Gungeon and everything. Cool. Well, I guess I'll go Sounds next pretty if, good. if Legrand's going to go last, right? Oh, man, I'm totally going last. Right. <laughs> Well, the first thing uh, I, I want, just want to say is if you tuned in on uh, Monday for the uh, the Game Bytes Show stream, uh, you might have you might have caught uh, Jeremy and, and uh, Jared and I playing Path of Exile. Oh yeah, oh, um, I installed it. I've actually played it for like five minutes this week, ten minutes, maybe twenty. We ha- we all started fresh characters. I had I had actually never played the game before. I think Jared had. Um, Jeremy, had, had you played it? Not all? really, no. I, I was ready to break sequence on some of these missions and get kind of stuck and uh, all that. But, uh, yeah, so like like I said, I, I had I had not played it before. And if you listen to last week, I, th- I think I mentioned last week I was playing some Torchlight 2. Uh, having having played the Diablo recently for, for Necromancer, um, I was done with that, but I, I didn't feel like I was really done with the genre. So then I was playing some Torchlight 2. And then, for some reason, Path of Exile cropped up, and so I was like, well, I'll, I'll try that one out, too. Cause what did you think of Torchlight 2? I didn't listen to the podcast. Sorry. Uh, Compared to uh, Diablo. 
And, well, so, uh, so Torchlight, Zelda. Torchlight Two is also is very good. But with that one, I, I think I've got like thirty hours or something in it now. Because with that one, I had I had played that one before, and I was picking up a, a character mid midstream there. Uh, oh, so to relearn the game, basically, that's what usually happens. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, but I, I did actually get really into it, and so for a few, maybe four or five days. Uh, in a row, I was I was playing that, and um, I had I had managed to decipher the the skill build that I had left off, and really kind of get back in the swing of things, and and was um, having a good time with it. Um, but then with the stream uh, Monday, yeah, I decided to, to check out Path of Exile, and you know I really like it. I think it's really cool. It's very very much just kind of Diablo two, like kind of modernized but kind of not <laughs> it's it's they for some reason they seem to um content to keep a lot of the kind of a lot of parts of diablo 2 that probably could stand to be modernized but it seems like the the path of exile guys are just like their whole their whole thing is we're gonna be we're gonna be as close to diablo 2 as we possibly can um we're gonna be the Diablo two that Blizzard couldn't make. Basically, yeah, yeah, right? and and they do. That was like their whole thing. I remember when it was coming out, and they they were like saying that that was at the at the time when everyone was pissed off at Diablo three. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they really made a, a good sort of um, I don't know niche for themselves in in fulfilling that uh, you know, which is obviously something that people wanted, right? Um, but they ha- they have actually done some pretty interesting stuff on their own that is original. There's a lot of the there's a lot of kind of like UI and presentation sort of stuff that is very 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 much like in homage to Diablo two that I think they could have improved upon in ways that Diablo three did without you know doing the whole like throwing the baby out with the bathwater thing that Diablo three did right. <laughs> so in the end, Diablo three is a very different game from Diablo two, but retains some of the same stuff whereas path of exile is like mostly the same as diablo 2 but changes a few things that are interesting um but but i do i do like path of exile it seems um it seems to have a really interesting character development system in that uh the only way that you get active abilities are from gems that you find in the world and the gems slot into your gear and seems like almost every piece of gear in this game has at least a couple of slots, right? Some of them have up to like, I don't know, five or six slots. And then you can slot the gems into your gear like you would in like, uh, say, Final Fantasy VII or whatever, um, where they link together. Uh, So like you can slot, um, they'll be like linked slots, right? And so you can like put an active ability gem into your gear. And then you can find a gem that supports active abilities by uh, giving them a bigger AOE or making them the the damage over time lasts longer or, you know, there's whatever it is. Right. And, um, so you can link things up and that's how you get all of your characters active abilities. So what, what really defines a character when you start the game out is just kind of their stat layout, like where they are on the three stats of, uh, I think it's what strength decks and intelligence, I think is the, the three there. And, hmm, um, never heard of that one before. Yeah. <laughs> you could and, be right though. But also, it's their position on the absolutely massive um, passive oh, skill yeah. tree. The, 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 uh, the sphere, sphere grid, grid that's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. I, I looked it up, and there's like there's over 1,300 nodes on the oh, on the the skill tree grid. And crucially, uh, and what's kind of interesting about that is that each one of those is a passive ability. And as far as I can make out, the only thing that you get when you level up is one skill point. I don't think you get any other anything else for leveling up in the game. It's, you just get one skill point that you can use to to um, take another node in the uh, passive skill tree thing, and then you also get those randomly sometimes for doing like quests or whatever. Um, but what that means is that every car- every class in the game, and there are seven when you begin, uh, starts out somewhere on that giant skill grid right and so I, i'm playing as a, a templar and so you start in um an area of the the grid that is concentrated around building your strength and intelligence and then like melee weapon or melee damage and elemental damage because the templar can is starts out and kind of seems to develop in in uh, as being a sort of spell sword sort of hybrid melee magic user 
You know, that's interesting. I actually, it was not clear to me until you just mentioned it that, that you actually share the same sphere grid with yes. with all of the other classes. And yes, so right. theoretically over time, you could grow into, I, I guess, any of those other classes or... Well, uh, there is a level cap. So I, lo- I looked it up because I was curious about this. I was like, well, could I... 90? Could you just, 99? you know, could you play forever and become an omni, you know, everything class? And you can't because, yeah, you can only get up to like... Uh, it's like level 99 is the level cap. And then I think you can get like a few extra points on top of that. Probably. Oh, gigantic um, sphere grid is lies. So yeah, you'll never, Lame. you'll never like turn fully in from like a witch into like a, a huge paladin or something. Right. Like, um, I don't think you can ever go 180, but you can branch out. It seems like pretty decently. And then mm. you can respec, I think also. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just seems really cool. And I do like, uh, I, I like playing it. It's it is very Diablo two in, in how the world is designed, um, both in terms of art and presentation, but also like where it's kind of like link, linked uh, zones that are uh, instanced and randomly um, uh, constructed. Yeah, we ran into some trouble with that. Uh, we on our stream, yeah. um, we found that uh, Jared, who was the party leader, would get to a certain point, and then Dale and I would have. Uh, I'm not even sure exactly what happened, but we would not so have the we same. We had to collect. We were at a point where we had to collect three things to get through a door, and uh, I found one on the ground, and there just weren't any more in the whole zone. And I think you were in the same position, right? Yeah, I, that's exactly right. And they were they weren't reflected anywhere on the map. They didn't they seem to be active when I find that. Yeah, exactly. I would. I, I at one point I logged out and then logged back in and went back into the to the same. I mean, we weren't even back in a party, but I just happened to go back into the world and into the zone, and you guys were both still in that game, and that zone was still depopulated of all monsters and yeah. nothing was showing up. But then pretty soon after that, Jeremy, when you left. Uh, I think it was when you left. It might have been when everything when both started of you working. Guys, Don't say yeah. that. No, exactly. When shut up. It might have been when you both <laughs> left. But yeah, like everything, everything was fine. I was able to collect mm. those other two things and get into that place. There were a couple of other things that I found frustrating. I mean, that gem system, for example, really confounded me because at least in the early game, and maybe you settle into some favorite weapons later on that really stick with you. But I found that uh, I wanted my abilities, like you said, the the secondary abilities, the special attacks, like the right clicks and and those sorts of things. Uh, or, or I guess it would be the, the keyboard the base. Yeah, exactly. The keyboard-based stuff uh, was tied to the gems that you had slotted into your weapon, but yes. I would have to like make sure to you know get all my gems out and and then you know discard the weapon or whatever. I found inventory management was really kind of a pain, um, and, and like I said, I, I recognize that maybe in the mid to late game, maybe that's not such a big deal because you really you know you you land on that wooden you know driftwood that you really want to hit people with. I mean, that's what <laughs> I was doing was you know the driftwood. Well, but, I've, uh, I've got to a point. Pretty quickly after like maybe in like the second session that I sat down. So maybe like maybe two hours into the game. I've I've already gotten to a point where most of the stuff I find is just kind of junk and I just leave it. And so I'm not picking up a bunch of stuff. And so I'm not – therefore I'm not not trading out equipment a whole lot. And so um, you're right though. When you do switch out a piece of gear for a new piece of gear, you got to make sure to take those – gems out and re-slot them into your and, and the new thing. and the new equipment may not have the same slots so the gems are that's all true. color-coded uh yeah. and or, or the slots are all color-coded to your gems I think that's, so that's interesting because because i because I, I like in diablo 3 i like the way that um the skill system is so free to be manipulated that you can just choose you can change your build on a dime right yeah i think that this um this gem slot system might kind of um force players into to varying up their skill build because yeah if you if you get a helmet that's way better, but happens to have different colored slots or whatever, because the slots are color coded, right? There's three. Yes. There's like mm-hmm. red, blue, and yellow. Um, red, blue, green. Probably. Yeah, red, blue, green, whatever. And um, yeah, I, I, but I think it's interesting, and it's it sets it apart from uh, Diablo and Torchlight, or even like Titan Quest, in kind of an interesting way. Then something that I'm definitely looking forward to uh, putting some more time into and yeah. kind of exploring more in depth. The, uh, the the sort of minute differences of games in this genre. It, it is. It's a really subtle thing. I, I will say that one of my favorite mechanics across all of those games uh, has been in Torchlight 2, the ability to send your pet to like sell oh, yeah. all the crap that you picked yeah, up. Yeah, that's, that's I found awesome. myself really missing that in this. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. Um, that is, without a doubt, that's probably the coolest uh, innovation that Torchlight has had. Uh, yeah, it's a solved know, problem and they just unsolved it. 
something else I thought was interesting in, in thinking about the, the three games is how they handle your inventory. So Path of Exile does the like standard like Diablo 1 and 2 kind of like inventory Tetris thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas what Diablo 3 did was they, they – they kept the grid, but they kind of got away from um, all the various sizes. So everything in Diablo 3 is only one of two sizes. It takes up one split, one square or it takes up two squares. Oh. You know, if huh. it's a potion or, or a jewelry or something, it takes up one square. And any piece of gear or weapon or whatever takes up two squares. That's and then bad. Torchlight, everything, doesn't matter what it is, takes up a single square. Doesn't matter how big it is or anything. There's nothing that takes up more than one square in your inventory in torchlight so it's just the same problem and it's minute tweaks on it it's like how do you how do you do that how do you how does your game choose to to do that Hmm. so anyway that's path of exile i'm going to be playing a lot more of that i think so i'll I'll talk about it more in future episodes uh but i wanted to point out really a, a a very cool um puzzle game that i picked up recently it was on steam it was on sale the other day on Steam. This is one that I heard about like years ago, and it was just sat on my wish list on Steam forever. And it was on sale for eighty nine cents the other day. So I was like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna pick that up" because I've always thought that looked cool. And uh, and so it's a game called Hex Cells, and it's basically a pretty simplistic uh, puzzle game. And it's kind of like if you sort of split the difference between like Minesweeper and Picross. Um, it's and a maybe game. add in a little, a little bit of Mad Men, like the old advertising adage, "Hex sells." Hex, yeah, something like that. And so it's the the puzzles presented are um, just a bunch of hexagons, you know, in a grid, like like a war game table or something like that. And um, you got to figure out. They start out like mostly yellow, right? And some of them have been uncovered and have a number in them or like a number next to them. And, and these numbers mean different things. Basically, the, the easiest version is that if there's a number in the hex, what that number means is that uh, two – if it's a two, then two of the hexes surrounding this one are um, blue, should be turned into blue, right? And then the other yellow ones can be destroyed. And those destroyed ones themselves have a number in them indicating how many of the hexes surrounding them are blue. And so the object of the the board uh, of the puzzle there is to just um, uncover all the ones that are yellow and then fill in all the ones that are supposed to be blue. And so it's it's very simple. Um, But then pretty quickly – they come up with little uh, tweaks on it, such as that, like these, the the hexes surrounding this one have to be consecutive; they're all touching each other, or they have to not be touching each other, right? Uh, so you can have three hexes around this one out of three out of six have to be blue, but they can't all be consecutive. So you can have two, and then an empty one going around, and then the other one, or you know, you could have one space one space one or whatever. Um, so when you're looking at it, you it, they're all just like a, it's a it's a logic puzzle. So like you're looking at it, and there no matter what the situation of the board is, you have a way to deduce what each hex should be. Should it be blue or should it be uncovered, or you know what is the state of that hex based on all the ones around it? And it's just a matter of kind of um, like unraveling. Uh, like a knot or something. You just kind of pick at it on the edges until you find the, the, this one leads to this one, leads to this one, leads to this one, leads to this one. And, um, it, they also start using a combination of hints the way, um, like, like Sudoku or, um, Picross would, Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. would like indicate like on this column of hexes, uh, this many of them need to be filled in. And then it'll tell you whether those are consecutive or not, or, um, you know, just things like that. And uh, all of this combines to make like a pretty elegant and uh, really, really addictive uh, puzzle game. And uh, so what I actually... platform are you playing it on? Mobile? On Steam. Steam. Yeah. Oh. I, I think it probably is available on mobile though, because it has the look of a, of a, you know, this is a mobile game sort of thing. I feel like um, I would have a hard time sitting down at a PC to play this kind of game at this point in my life. Uh, so, do, do you find that like being, playing something like this on a screen with your mouse is like, tethering in any way i mean do you feel like that's kind of like i feel like claustrophobic thinking about it no okay not at all no um but i i actually i finished and perfected every level in this game already so um so i've actually moved on to the sequel uh hex cells plus now (laughs) and um it was really cool it only took a few hours and um just like 
Couldn't stop playing it. it there is a game called Hex Cells on mobile, but I don't know if is it's... It, uh, a, is it got a white background and blue and yellow hexes? Uh, it kind of has, like, pearlescent-looking hexes. Um, it's called Hex Cells Pro. I don't know. That, that, I, no, I may have just promoted it. All right, I'm probably related, but... <laughs> that's a ripoff. Yeah. Um, yeah, just find it on Steam. That's the one. It's only 89 cents right now. Yeah, I get it. It's really cool. Mm. I, I have really been enjoying that. and I'm, I've got $2.09 in my Steam account from selling some Battlegrounds stuff. You'll like oh, load nice. it up and you'll do a few of the, the intro puzzles and you'll be like, man, this is super cool. And uh, then oh, you'll pretty much, Fine. you'll be like me in a few days. <laughs> well, beat the game. <laughs> man, I want to be like Dale. Yeah, so... There you, there you have cents for my Steam wallet. I'll buy it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> 69 megabyte install. Nice. Nice. Cool. It'll even fit on my hard drive. I ordered a one terabyte SSD today because I was going to install Guild Wars 2 and I had like no hard drive space left. Oh. So I bought a new hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been kind of, uh, you know, limping by on a pretty small... I have two like 240 gigabyte SSDs, and so I'm constantly with games being like, you know, 50, 60 gigs, 70 each, gigs and now. Like freaking, uh, what is it? Um, Doom is enormous. Game. Titanfall. Doom is huge. I don't have Doom installed anymore, but I had to uninstall uh, Rainbow Six Siege, which is like with <gasps> its high texture pack is like 80 gigs or something. Wow. Um, it has like a 4K texture pack. I think Jeremy uh, just, but or Jared just punched a wall. Yeah, there's like ah. Somebody call him. I only uninstalled it okay? so that I could install Guild Wars, which is another perennial Jared. And now now he's plastering so. over the wall. That like, oh, never mind. Been restored. <laughs> as long as Legrand will play something with me, but so <laughs> I, I'm basically poised to uh, play a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of uh, games like for a few minutes each, because that's basically what I'm going to end up doing. Um, uh, and so I've installed Guild Wars 2 again. I don't want to talk about it, but I, I feel like <laughs> kind of kind of need an MMO, and that's kind of a an easy MMO to play. So I don't have to commit no to sub. like a fifteen dollar. Yeah, I don't have to pay any more money to like play it. Right now, I can just jump in and play and figure it out. And that game's you know I played a lot of that. Is game. that game free for the base client now or what? Uh, I think I think there is a free version. I don't know what it's what the limit is on it or what's the restriction, uh, but. If you're if you want to buy it, I would wait until the next expansion comes out because when the expansion's out, whenever you buy the expansion, you get all the previous content. I guess you could probably pre-buy the expansion now, and that would give you both previous, the base game plus the expansion that's current. Um, that's kind of the way they roll. Whatever the whenever you buy the game, you get the game plus all the other you previous the other content. Stuff. Yeah, they do not like to yeah. fragment their their player base. Right. Right. Nice. Uh, so. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about that game though. I've also, um, I also bought a Planet Coaster. Oh. Um, so I was watching my boy. He was playing um, uh, City Skylines, and that game's cool. I mean, that game's super awesome. But I remember when I was a kid playing like Theme Park and those types of games, Roller Coaster Tycoon, and like, okay, I'm going to get him on one of these games because. For a kid, like building a theme park is way more interesting than building a city. Uh, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, so uh, yeah, so I bought Planet Coaster and then sat down with my son and we designed out a theme park, um, which was horribly designed because it was a uh, designed by an eight year old. But... Oh man, it'll never beat the one that I designed <laughs> live on the the video stream. Uh, go go check that out because I it was like literally the first five minutes that I ever played. Like Jared was like, install it, let's do it. And so while he's introing, I'm designing a roller coaster and it turned out to be like a 12 minute thing that it took 12 minutes it was it was like it took so long to do it and it would like peak out over 99 miles an hour or something like that so oh my goodness. it like I, it like went really slow except for this one point when it went deathly fast it was the most amazing thing i, I didn't uh design any roller coaster by scratch because because i was playing with my kids so that would have taken like a lot of time i think uh so we basically used the templates of roller coasters um <laughs> and i actually haven't sat down with this game on my own to like you know really figure it out or really see what's going on we kind of just put it in sandbox mode which basically gives you unlimited funds and you just build to your heart's content and people just start showing up and riding your roller coasters and stuff uh so um yeah, that game's really good, though. It's, it, it really seems is. Like it's, and, and it it even seems has, like it's a really well-put-together, modern, one-of-those theme park 
simulator game. Right? Yeah, and, and if you don't have time to design your own, you can actually share. It has some Steam Workshop integration where oh, you yeah. can actually download community roller coasters. So you can get the, I can't remember what it's called, the Jeremy Special. Like, I shared it to Jared and it bankrupted his uh, his his park like live on the stream, and everybody Did it hated. Cost so much? Yes, it cost so much, and like nobody would ride it. <laughs> It was well, it's amazing. got like every ride has like a puke factor and a thrill factor and like a fun. Yes, factor, and right? it was like it was like the slowest possible roller coaster with like the the most amazing <laughs> puke factor. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, this is no, made it's by uh, the same people that do Elite Dangerous, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, fr- uh, front frontier, frontier developments. Yeah, mm-hmm. holy cow! There are one hundred and thirty-eight thousand items on the uh, Steam Workshop for this game. In fact, uh, David Braben, who's the like the founder of that studio, the guy who created Elite so long ago, he tweeted the other day that uh, I think Planet Coaster is like at like I want to say one point five mil, and Elite Dangerous is wow. at uh, two point seven five. So mm. that's doing, awesome. They're doing pretty decent. Yeah, Planet Coaster is really good. So um, yeah, fun I'll, fact: I'll they, they created Planet Coaster while sitting in hyperspace, waiting, playing Elite Dangerous. Yeah. They decided they needed. <laughs> they were traveling while, some yeah, while doing the space far flung runs. Yeah. Anyway, it's good. It's fun. I'm gonna play some more. Uh, like I said, I've only played a couple hours, and it wasn't on my own, so I wasn't really like, you know, actually designing stuff properly. It was like, hey, put another ride down. We need more rides. Oh, uh, we need toilets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, this guy says people are thirsty. Hey, make some drink stations. So he like made fifty drink stations in like this one area because it's all free, right? So it doesn't even matter. And right. Like, hey, this is where everyone goes to get their drinks, Dad. And there's like 50 little drink shacks. And I'm like, okay, man. Um, well, this is your theme park. When Dad actually sits down to play serious, it's going to be serious. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that game's cool. Uh, the other game I wanted to talk about is uh, ARMS for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Uh, I actually uh, picked this game up along with uh, an extra set of Joy-Con. Um. Because my son was going to have like a party and I kind of wanted to have a play video games at his party. And I'm like, oh, I should get ARMS because uh, I wanted to kind of wanted to buy it. And I, I always wanted another set of Joy-Cons. So now we can play four player ARMS, which is uh, ridiculous, by the way. So if you don't know what ARMS is, this is a Nintendo developed and published game that's um, it's a fighting game where your character consists of dudes with long springy arms that you punch it. Uh, each other you can get different types of fists on these arms and there's different characters that you can play as that have kind of different properties uh, different strengths and different weaknesses and mobility options uh, and things like that and so you kind of square off in a third person mode uh, with your character you pick what what fists you want on your arms and then you punch each other to death uh, and it's actually really fun it's a uh, it's it's got a little bit more strategy to it than I ever thought um, I it does have like a motion control version where you play with a Joy-Con in each hand and then you punch stuff. Um, and you like have motion movements to control where your guy moves and within the space as well as jump. And and then you punch by actually physically, you know, punching. Yeah, right? and, and it's a fighting game, but it also has kind of a slower pace to it because uh, when, you know, all, you mentioned the springy arms... It takes a it takes a while for your punch to land. Like you're not like right. right up in someone's face like Street Fighter. You're kind of at a medium to long distance, and so you have to kind of decide a strategic moment to fire off that shot because you're going to be open on one side or the other. And if they dodge out of the way, you know you you do kind of have to think about you know what's going to be your. You have to think a couple of steps ahead, like what's going to be my counter. Uh, the, the, you know there are the punches, but there are also the throws. So uh, yeah. you know p- punches will beat throws. Uh, throws, let's see, how does it work? Throws, throws beat blocks. Throws beat blocks. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yep, yep exactly. Um, and then there's the dodging. And they and they do encourage you to, to be mobile on the map as well. It's sort of a free-range fighting game. So it's 3D, but you can kind of move kind of where you want to. And, and they encourage you to be mobile because when you dodge... And you're kind of always facing your target. Yeah, correct. So and in fact, I think, targeting. It auto, I think it auto-targets for you, really. Um, yeah, yeah. So you're always facing your target, but... If you punch and then they move, you miss, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, and it leaves you. But you can also curve attack. your punches, though, mm-hmm. so you can like curve them to aim towards your guy if he dodges, and you or you foresee that he's going to dodge to the right, and so you curve your punch to the right to catch his catch him as he dodges, or whatever. Um, 
There's also like power-ups and healing bombs and things like that that kind of fall around the map. There's a lot of different maps and they're all different. So it's not like you're fighting in one arena. So like in like a traditional fighting game, you fight in a 2D plane or whatever. And it's basically the same with different background, right? Yep. Um, in this game, there's several different maps. I believe there's maybe eight maps, maybe ten that you can play on um, that all have kind of different features and characteristics. Some have like pillars that are in the way, so you can kind of like hide behind pillars, and others have like platforms you can jump up onto and get a higher ground on your enemies and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a bit of fun. It's actually just kind of enjoyable. Um, it's kind of hard uh, against the computer when you're playing at higher difficulties. I mean, it's probably because I mostly suck at it. Um, I haven't really, haven't really figured out the best way to fight and counter enemies. But um, any, needless to say, my kids played for like three hours one night, and uh, all three of my kids and then one of their friends, oh, and then they were like rotating where they would play um, all on their own Joy-Con, um, and they had a blast. And it's, so it's a great party game. The four player is kind of a little chaotic where. Uh, it's basically free-for-all. You can also play teams, but the free-for-all is kind of what we played because, I don't know, they end up teaming up anyways against each other, my kids do, because that's what kids do. But, <laughs> uh, the free-for-all is kind of weird because you can like cycle targets between the different guys. So you're playing four people, so it's you against three, and everyone's against well, everybody. And so once, you can huh? cycle through. But basically, there'll come a time where you're like stuck in between like two people who are fighting. Um, but if that happens, you can only actually punch and hit whoever's you're actually targeting. Um so it's kind of it's kind of weird and a little chaotic, but ultimately, you know, for kids and just people just looking to have a fun time, like, you know, it's it's a, a good kind of chaos. You know, it's just kind of exciting. The game is very pretty. Uh, the graphics look good. The animation is fantastic. The characters are very well designed. Um, the sound is is fun, and it it's just it's just kind of fun to play. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot there. It's it's a sixty dollar game. I believe is what I paid for. Yeah, it. and I it mean, is. a lot of it rests on the online, which I don't know if you can still get a match online at this point. Well, I don't care to play online, you know. I'd imagine I, you probably could. I, I, I would bet you could. I, I think my kids may have played online, but I don't really... That's not what I got it for. You know, I kind of got it to be kind of a multiplayer. Uh, so, and that, that that being said, I've now kind of gotten the Switch out and put it into its dock and kind of let the kids kind of monkey around with it um, when I'm not around. Cause for a while it was dad's consoles, you know, and now it's kind of like, okay, kids start playing with this thing. Um, and then I started finding like bits and pieces of like, or, and by bits and pieces, I mean parts like here's a joy con without its little wrist strap, just hanging out over here on the counter. And you know, once that happens, dad takes control and takes away his systems again. Right. <laughs> kids like to lose things. Uh, and you know, the, where, where you're constantly, you know, plugging in Joy-Con to the console, pulling them off and putting them into their little controller grip and stuff like that. Uh, there's a good opportunity for, you know, five and eight-year-olds to lose stuff. Right. Um, so so who do you main, bro? Uh, I have been playing as... Um, I like Ribbon, Ribbon Girl. Oh, yeah. And I think I like the guy that uh, do- with the chain arms, the ninja guy. Oh yeah, because uh, he like he, he has like, a special dodge. Yeah, yeah, I like him. Um, I know Jeremy likes uh, Twin Tell. Twin Tell, yeah. Has, she has. She actually doesn't have arms. She has hair for arms, and she has arms, but like their bandana. arms are normal arms. Um, there's some wacky story behind this too. Uh, yeah, they. But, I don't know why they keep like, you know, this is all done with now. But it was like Nintendo had this uh, narrative thing, like, oh, nobody knows how it works, but people woke up with this ability and decided to fight. And and I don't know they they like kept they they kept telling us like what's going on in the world of harms we're like no no no. we don't we don't really care guys Uh, so it's it's fun though man so I I don't know if I would if I it wouldn't be a game for me just to buy and play on my own I've said this before about other games it's more of a game I bought uh, for my kids to play and to have fun together Uh, even though I do sit down with it maybe laying in bed with the switch and play uh, just a couple rounds or try to get through a. They call it Grand Prix for right. whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, so try to get through one of those. Um, but ultimately, you know, I bought it. I, I don't think the $60 price tag for me is worth it just for me to have that game on my own. Uh, but have, playing it with the family and getting all four of us together and, you know, punching each other's, you know, kind of fun. So right. uh, that's what I'm kind of getting out of it mostly. Right so, on. Yeah, there you go. Arms. It's fun. Right on. Very good. It. 
And uh, folks, if you have uh, enjoyed our three-person party here, if, you, if you've enjoyed our 30-minute uh, uh, high puke factor podcast, uh, well, come back for more. We're going to be back in just a few days to talk to you about the video game news of the week, uh, new releases, and a special talk of discussion that will come back in just a couple of days, so keep an eye on your RSS feed. Uh, we also do a Twitch stream, like we mentioned a little bit earlier. You can find us over on twitch.tv slash show, where we do uh, at least once a week a fun stream, which uh, Dale mentioned we did uh, Path of Exile this past week. Uh, it's a good thing Jared was hosting that, because D- Dale and I spent a majority of the time like <laughs> trying to figure out why, why our quest was broken. But uh, it's a good fun time, and uh, you can get an idea of what that game is like. And uh, it's free to play, so you can check out and see if it's uh, see if it's your cup of tea. Uh, you can also find the archives over at youtubecom show. If you have comments or questions or would like to share with us the games that you've been playing, you can find us on Twitter collectively at GameBiteShow. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand, and I am at Count Elmdor. You can also find Jared Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. Jared is also running our uh, Extra Life efforts this year. He's got us over at extralife.org slash team slash show. You can join our team and raise money for sick kids at local hospitals all over the country. It's a big, good, fun time. They uh, host it once a year, and uh, it's, uh, it's worth getting involved in. So you can contribute money, you can contribute time, you can contribute uh, visibility, tweet about it, share with your friends, and uh, we can all play games and do some good in the world. Um, folks, like I mentioned, we'll be back in just a few days, but until then, this has been your Game Bite Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. See ya. See ya.